Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Hello and welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute. We are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time. With me as always is Tierney. Say hello, Tierney. Hello, Tierney. <laughs> it had to be done. It had to be done. And what else had to be done is us bringing a very special guest for our second week. Listeners, please give... Third week. What? Third it's week? Our, it's our third week. One That's three. right. That's right. Four through six. All those sentiments still apply. <laughs> Just change the number. And please welcome Heidi Bennett of Vibrant Visionaries, Spinal Tap Minute, and Cabin Minute Cast. Hello, Heidi. Hello, friends. I almost said hello, Cleveland, but that's very old. <laughs> An old <laughs> greeting that dies hard. <laughs> We're very excited to have you as our first guest on our third week, but it is just the second iteration of recording. I don't know. There's no explanation for my mistake. Hey, math is hard. <laughs> That's the explanation. Math is Why hard. Why don't we focus on what minute it is? Maybe that will help. So this is minute seven, and it starts out with Joe looking at this flickering fluorescent office light, which is just part of the torment of office. I don't know about y'all, but I got a bug zapper vibe from this light. <laughs> yeah, I got nightmare vibes right away. I was like, what did these guys do? <laughs> what have they gotten me into? <laughs> I hate the sound design on this minute is making my eye twitch. Yes. Because the, the light is bad enough, but it's the noise of the light and the typing and the talking. By the end of the minute, I was just like, please sit down. Please turn off the lights. Please get out whatever you're getting out. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I especially liked about Tom Hanks' performance in this minute and what I found the most relatable is the way that after he's kind of wincing at this light and he's gathered himself together... The way that he turns and you see him stealing himself to face his coworkers, <laughs> which is a little odd because he walked right past them and nobody greeted one another. But he just, it's clear that he has this routine. It's, I go in, I get my coffee out of that horror show of a coffee set up. <laughs> and then at a certain point, then it's, okay, now I'm going to deal with these people that I'm trapped in this office hell with. And it's it, it called to mind Hopper from Stranger Things in the way that he said, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> you need that little quiet time to yourself. I wanted to get that as a cross stitch for my kitchen. <laughs> that is one of my favorite quotes. This minute, I actually was kind of surprised because Joe is very bold in a way in this minute. But then I was like, no, he's just on autopilot because I absolutely go into my office and go straight for the, like I put down my stuff, I turn on my computer and while it's booting up, I put out the newspapers and I get my coffee. And like the building could be on fire and I would probably still do that. Like... <laughs> Right. It, it kind of reminds me also of uh, Shaun of the Dead, that whole automatic routine of getting up and kind of smacking his lips and getting something to drink and barely making it out of the front door of his apartment and, you know, possibly getting hit by a car or eaten by a zombie because he's so <laughs> out of it, he doesn't really notice what's going on around with but he's used to what he does every single day. Right. But this minute also gives us a little glimpse 
of, I would say, the Joe to come, but maybe it's just the Joe underneath. When he goes into his inner office, I know we'll, we'll talk about lots of things, but the way he plays his fingers over the water main with the do not touch sign on it, just tuck that away in the back of your mind. And later on, when we see Joe, remember that that has been in him this whole time. Yeah, I... I had a note about that too, Tyranny. It's like he, it's signaling that he's tempted by this do not touch valve. He's not completely, well, now I can't say zombie because (laughs) zombies have been invoked and they are not passive, but he's not in a, he's not an automaton, whatever that word is. He's not it. He has this routine. He does the same thing every day. He has to steal himself to deal with his workers. He hates this, but he's not dead inside, I guess is a really... Mm cynical way of saying it there is some little part of joe that is fighting this and it's the part that has to steal himself to deal with it it's the part that touches you know not just touches but like play like i said dances his fingers along it there's that little bit in there it's those little everyday rebellions that help you deal with the monotony, you know, part of it is the sign that says do not touch and he's touching. I mean, that's very obvious. But the playfulness of the touching, that also seems like part of his routine of saying, I'm going to get the coffee, I'm going to steal myself against this horrid light fixture and greet my co-workers. But I'm also, my other part of the routine is this little mini rebellion that I have that includes touching this playfully and perhaps getting out this lamp or something else that sort of brings a little light and fun into the day in a way that he can try and test. God, I want to start a band called Everyday Rebellion now. Mm. (laughs) Who wants in on my band? I want to be in your band. (laughs) So when he walks past Mr. Waturi's desk, does he like flick his hand what is that did anyone i I caught that that? too so this this was my take on it tyranny you mentioned one of the annoying aspects of the office is mr rotori's voice droning on and on Mm -hmm. you're just hearing his side of the conversation it's the most frustrating thing that you could hear to start your day this i know he can get the job but can he do the job and over and over It's so iconic, but yes, it is obnoxious. Both iconic and obnoxious. And clearly, this is not the first time that Joe has heard this exchange. So what I think he's doing with that gesture is he's conducting Mr. Rotori as you conduct an orchestra. And it's another one of his little rebellions because he it's him sneakily mocking his boss. Which the film sets us up to mock right away. You know, I have a lot of notes about Dan Hadai's performance as Mr. Rotori. More of them are kind of hit in minute eight, so I want to I want to save. Oh some no, of them, I was but... only talking about his desk. Oh, what about his desk? Oh, you mean the oh. slow zoom down? <laughs> Do you know how long it takes a six-year-old girl to get this joke? <laughs> <laughs> So, Tierney, do you want to tell our listeners what you're describing here? Not really, but I will. (laughs) (laughs) On Mr. Waturi's desk, what he is playing with are the two yes from an artificial testicles prototype that have a fancy little holder that I guess is supposed to be invoking the cat, catius, catechus, whatever that medical term is. It's a very fancy, almost trophy-like display. It also kind of looks like um, a female reproductive 
but that could just be me reading my own life experience into it. I thought that the prop department had a field day making this trophy. Oh, I'm sure. Because I th- in the script, it's just calling for a model of artificial testicles. But they said, oh no, let's let's go down to the trophy shop and we're going <laughs> to do a little plaque and we are going to really jazz this thing up. But there's actually a funny story to go along with this. So in the introduction to the screenplay, the director says that he worked at a medical supply company and it was this dreary atmosphere that he is conveying. And there were a set of artificial testicles in his desk drawer. <laughs> So that's how we get the silly trophy on Mr. Rotori's desk. <laughs> it's really stealing the thunder from the other thing. I was like, is that a baseball trophy? Oh, I'm not even going to go back and double check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely stealing the thunder from that other trophy. Oh my goodness. Now, Heidi, you mentioned that his third little rebellion of the morning is him getting out this lamp. It's very clear that this lamp is not allowed. He's very sneaky. He like looks around before he opens the drawer. Which I, which I really love. And I think it would be funny to picture him getting caught taking out the lamp. What's going on with that lamp? <laughs> I love lamp. And I he do just, love like, lamp. He back in and closes the drawer. <laughs> I love that he keeps it in his filing cabinet. Right? That as someone who has used... Filing cabinets is normal storage for not files. It just went straight to my heart. (laughs) Oh, or maybe I got that from here. (laughs) You secretly want to be like Joe. That's not who I not so secretly want to be like. I want to know how Joe got this office. Even Mr. Watori is out in open floor space horror land. He might, uh, Mr. Watori might like that idea of, you know, being the overseer, the king of all that he can see. So he might, that might be a real power spot for him, whereas being sequestered off, which is what I would prefer. I mean, I'd prefer to be sequestered off than be in that open floor plan situation. Yeah. Well, and I love the way, we'll see it better in a later minute, the way the room is set up where it almost makes like a barricade out of the bookcases, which you kind of get the feeling when he's walking in and you're seeing all the wire baskets. Oh God, my eyes twitching again. I like the idea that whoever had this job before Joe maybe was out in the open area, but used all the bookcases and all the supplies that that job requires to basically barricade themselves off anyway. And so they just slowly took over this room. Actually, I know a guy that did just that. (laughs) He started a job working with a friend of mine. And and she told me, you would never believe what this guy's done. He's basically built, he's so antisocial, he's built himself a fort to separate himself from his co-workers. His punk rock name was Misanthropic, so... I think it kind of tells you a lot about his work culture Yeah, I used to work at a warehouse with a bunch of other musicians and weirdo people in in the Sacramento area. I was part of the whole tower conglomerate. And people, yeah, they sequestered themselves off in all sorts of interesting ways, including stacking pallets in a way that you could find a little spot to to take a nap if you needed to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I work in a library. I'm real good at building a fort out of out of book carts. And when the mail comes, oh man, when the Internal Revenue Code is printed twice a year with the updates, that's six volumes, and we get multiple copies. Those boxes, they're 
they're pretty substantial. <laughs> I just love this. I'm building my own little headcanon. Like, who had this job before Joe? Like, they obviously couldn't have been happy, but I love the idea that it's like, I'm just going to slowly, or this was always the room where the supplies was kept, and they originally had been assigned a desk out there, and just every day they moved it an inch closer to the door (laughs) until finally they then got through the door. And then, because you inherit weird things when you start a job, you know, that someone's done before. It's like, okay, this is clearly how this person had things set up. What works for me and what doesn't? And so I like the idea that there's kind of a uh, a guardian angel predecessor <laughs> for Joe that at least tried to make it a little bit more tolerable. I wonder where he got the lamp. Oh, we'll get to the lamp. I have a lot of questions about the lamp tomorrow because... Or, on Wednesday because I do love lamp as well, especially this one. But speaking of headcanon, Jarf, get out your little notebook. Fever dream time. Nice. I was telling my wife about our fever dream theory. We should loop Heidi in. That would be great. I mean, I am here too. (laughs) Well, now I feel like a big old jerk. (laughs) I was going to explain it. (laughs) But now no one will believe me. This is genuine. Just you joking. should believe her. I I knew she was going to. I just like I just like to give her the setup for it. Uh-huh. I'm a little punchy over here. I gotta say, it's been a long, long week. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm podcasting here. <laughs> so, like Han Solo having his carbonite fever dream of being an archaeological adventurer in the 1930s and 40s and 50s. Sorry, everyone who likes to pretend Crystal Skull doesn't exist. (laughs) We believe that perhaps Joe versus the volcano is all a dream. Whose dream could it be? We've decided that sometime before becoming the much better coach of the Rockford Peaches, Jimmy Dugan was sitting in a dugout, let's face it, bit sauced, fell asleep, and had a dream where he was on a magical adventure. (laughs) But first, he had to work in this terrible office. And if you look at the facial acting that Tom Hanks does when he first looks up at the light over by the coffee maker, doesn't it kind of remind you of Jimmy Dugan when he's like rubbing the sleep out of his eyes on the bus? Who's Lou? (laughs) (laughs) And a couple other times in that movie, uh... If Jimmy Dugan was imagining himself as a younger man, it, that was that's what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. There's our Joe versus the Volcano Fever Dream theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's on this podcast, and that means it's canon now. Exactly. There you go. So, speaking of the movie, Heidi, what's your background with this movie? I have a good answer for that. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I've watched this movie once, and I remember thinking it was really interesting. And then I never saw it again. So my background of it is that I remember thinking it was quirky and interesting, and then I just sort of forgot about it. So I was really happy when the two of you decided to embark on this because it was going to give me an opportunity to revisit it. And I'll tell you, earlier today when I I was getting ready and preparing to be on the podcast with y'all. I thought, I wish there was a podcast I could listen to to help me parse (laughs) out this... (laughs) 
movie one minute at a time. So I was in my own fever dream. I wanted to all have you already exist so that I could listen to you to learn about this movie. So I did some more, I did some reading, some articles people had written about it. And, and I also noticed that there was a very vibrant and wonderful soundtrack, uh, you know, a lot of great songs that are, uh, you know, some of my favorite actually in R&B and soul and Latin and stuff. And I thought, well, I'll just enjoy those laters later with Tierney and Jarf and everybody else because <laughs> right now I'm stuck with these gray-walled <laughs> horrendous <laughs> offices. <laughs> so I'm along Aww. for it. I'm glad that you all are doing this. And the fact that it's a, a film that's talking about, you know, seizing life and uh, by the artificial testicles or not, you know, but... <laughs> Seizing life and uh, and and um, having a finite life, you know, knowing when your death is going to be is that's rich subject matter that I've you know I've gone through some severe death experiences in my life and I've had moments of sheer joy with people who I knew were going to pass away soon and so it's a very interesting topic and I'm I'm excited to continue on with with y'all. To be fair, I think you're. I saw the movie. It was fun and quirky. And then I kind of forgot it existed. Really is the story of, like, the release of Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what the whole world said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And So you're a great representative. <laughs> you're a great representative. We are so happy to have you here. The line sees life by the artificial testicles is definitely staying with me. <laughs> I sense a t-shirt opportunity, Jar. <laughs> <laughs> And I 100% agree. Part of what I love about this movie is it works on the quirky and fun level. And then it has this deeper level that is about how you live your life. And I think we'll be able to explore both of those as we make our way to the volcano. So we're really happy to have you here starting out with us. And we really wanted our first guest to be a friend and someone who has been a big part of the Movies by Minute community. So thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. I feel privileged to be here right at the beginning and here for the whole thing. Well, on Mondays are usually where we... I was going to say it's usually where we have our guests do their plugs... But I just said you are a first guest, so there is no usually. <laughs> but I, I just wondered like... <laughs> where that sentence was going. <laughs> I was like, wait, what do we usually do today? <laughs> would you like to do your plugs? <laughs> I would love to do my plugs. <laughs> Yeah, so my Movies by Minutes podcasts that have wrapped and are available for your binging play azure <laughs> are um, Cabin Minute Cast, which is about the cabin in the woods. You can find that at Cabin Minute Cast. And Spinal Tap Minute, which is about this is Spinal Tap, and that's at SpinalTapMinute.com. And the podcast that I'm currently doing is Vibrant Visionaries, and that is uh, me talking with Vibrant Visionary folks. So people who are filmmakers, podcasters, artists,
artists, designers, writers, all sorts of interesting musicians and other weirdo creative people. We're just having casual conversations. And, and a lot of times we end up talking about, you know, creative process and, and what it's really like to be a creative and live and, you know, thrive and sort of find your livelihood that way. And, and we end up also talking a lot about burnout and ways to combat creative burnout. And that's when oftentimes we end up talking about how to treat ourselves more kindly because usually creative burnout is happening because we're just trying to do all the things all the time and, you know, starting a new podcast and <laughs> doing a new project. I'm personally attacked right now. <laughs> Personally attacked, but also personally heard and yes. possibly personally <laughs> healed. Yes. So, yeah. And and um, I studied uh, compassion and I became a certified professional coach. I do a lot of marketing and um, consulting for people who do creative things. So, so that's where I kind of throw in my expertise and tips on helping you be a happy, thriving creative. So that is all at VibrantVisionaries.com. And I highly recommend episode of Vibrant Visionaries that you, Heidi, did with Molly, your former co-host on Cabin Minutecast, where you were talking about self-care and burnout. And I, that really came out at a time that I was feeling very burnout. So mm -hmm. it really meant a lot to me and helped me. And, and it's also just a fun conversation because it, it's that reunited and it feels so, so good. good. <laughs> so definitely check that out and listeners you can join us if you're on facebook at the joe versus the minute listeners luggage raft and we're also on twitter at joe versus minute instagram same handle and that's about it for minute seven so where to next tierney oh you know where to next no just kidding <laughs> you away getting... from the things of man you're getting sassy on the outro now. <laughs> Week three, and I'm already doing some everyday rebellion. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go when the volcano blows. Let me say now I don't know. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.